All right, thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. This is the Cruise Control Podcast, now on iTunes, finally, in the words of The Rock, finally, the Cruise Control Podcast is now on iTunes, so find us there, also on SoundCloud.com, it's great to be here, it's great that we're, that we're finally on iTunes, man, a, a lot of people have been asking me, where is the podcast, and you know, I'm not a SoundCloud guy, and you know, is it going to be on iTunes? And I finally got a chance to do it. So again, if you've been a fan of the podcast, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. So now you can find it there. iTunes, type in Cruise Control. And I guess you have to, you know, scroll to the bottom or look for the gray box uh, with our logo that says Cruise Control. So go ahead, check it out. I think they only took seven episodes i did I, i've done more than that you can find the rest on soundcloud but seven they gave you on the itunes so again cruise control podcast is on both itunes and soundcloud uh talking nba today with a good friend of mine mr alex kennedy the managing editor for basketballinsiders.com he's also the the host of the basketball insiders podcast uh, the man is all over the place when it comes to the NBA, so let's get right to it. Mr. Kennedy, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Um, I know we're about a month and a half away from the NBA. We got the NFL up and running last night, so as a sports fan, we all should be happy. Yeah, definitely, man. We got to be excited. Uh, I, I'm a big NFL fan too, so I was uh, I was watching last night. I have uh, Gronk on uh, a few fantasy teams that mm-hmm. are high stakes, so I was very excited last night. Um, and I can't wait for Sunday to see my Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. Oh God, you are a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. Uh, have you made that? Have you made that public yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I've gotten a lot of crap about it on Twitter because we're not very good. I know this. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Um, I've been a big fan for, you know, my entire life, my entire family, you know, they're all Bucks fans. And, uh, so I, you know, I was a fan back in 2002 when we won the Super Bowl, So that was kind of the high. And then there's just been a bunch of lows ever since and around it. So, uh, it's been, a, it's been a rough time, but I'm hoping now, you know, with Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, uh, Levante David, Gerald McCoy, we got some good young guys. Hopefully in a few years we can be competitive again. That's the hope. What are what are your thoughts on James Winston? Um, anything that worries you about him? Well, you know, I, I like his game a lot. Um, I do think this year he's going to throw a lot of interceptions because he's not someone that's afraid to, you know, put the ball in places that are somewhat risky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really the offensive line is the biggest concern for me because James is someone that stands back there and he'll take a hit just to get a throw away. And, you know, he'll stand in the pocket for a long time. But our offensive line is terrible, so that's where I really worry that he's going to get beat up, you know, more than anything. I'm just hoping he can survive this year uh, and stay intact because, 
Um, you know, remember David Carr with the Houston Texans that first rookie year when he just got beat up and got hit so many times because their offensive line was terrible? Yeah. I'm hoping it's not like that uh, with uh, with the Bucks this year because, you know, Jameis has looked good. He, uh, I think he's much better than, you know, anything the Bucks had last year. Josh McCown and Mike Lennon really struggled last year. Um, so I, I do think he's an upgrade. I love him as a player. But I just hope, uh, you know, our offensive line and our weapons around him uh, can help him as he transitions to the NFL. So now let's take you as a fan. Let's put that to the side and think realistically. How long does it uh, become before Tampa Bay becomes relevant or even a playoff team with James Winston at the quarterback? Well, I would say two or three years. Uh, I'll be realistic here. You know, I, I know there's been a few people projecting that they'll make it this year because, uh, you know, obviously the NFC South is so bad. Yeah. Um, it, it's just so weak out there. So some people are saying that, you know, if you, if you take the – Below average play at quarterback the Bucks had last year, replaced it with Jameis Winston. Um, you know, you get some progression out of guys like McCoy, David, Evans, uh, and, and some of their additions that they should be better. But just watching every preseason game, uh, seeing, uh, you know, a, a lot of things that happened, I still think the offensive line is a huge, it's a huge problem. Uh, the secondary is a problem. So I, I think that, you know, two years, three years maybe, then they could be a playoff team. I think they need to go through a few more off-seasons where they can add to that offensive line, they can add to that secondary. Um, and then once they do that, they're a pretty scary team. They have, uh, you know, talent at every position. So I think that's really the goal. They need to be able to improve those spots. So I'll say two, three years. Alex, two, three years, you're being too nice, man. <laughs> <laughs> you may be right. You know, I tried to be, I tried to be uh, unbiased there, but it's very um. possible that, uh, it's, it's much longer. We'll see. That's, that's me being hopeful. At the beginning, uh, I mentioned you are from basketballinsiders.com. Um, you are the managing editor for the website. You guys do a great job there, but also saw that you are part of the Basketball Insiders podcast. And the last time I had you on, I, I, I might be wrong, but I don't think you were doing the podcast at the time. Um, how how how's that been for you personally and for basketballinsiders.com the 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 podcast aspect well it's been fun um we drop new episodes every uh tuesday and saturday and we tried to have some fun guests on uh we've had a few different players come on uh a few different media personalities um but it's been it's been great you know i i think it's a lot of fun to do a podcast i think our listeners get to uh you know kind of see our our personalities in a different way um and certainly we get to touch on a lot of different topics you know there are there are times that i want to discuss something but i'm not going to write a full article about it because it's just you know it's just a little thing that i wanted to talk about right. where you know but but the podcast that's where it's a great time to do that a great uh outlet for those kind of things so it's been a lot of fun you know we've, we've had uh, played some games on there had some different predictions on there um, and I think the coolest part is just being able to get, um, you know, our friends around the NBA on the podcast. Uh, you know, we've had Jamal Crawford, Alfred Payton, uh, Quinn Cook, a number of players like that. We had Mark Spears from Yahoo Sports. Kristen Ludlow was our most recent guest. She's from NBA TV. Um, we have a few more players lined up for the next few weeks. So uh, I think that's been the best part, just kind of being able to bring in different personalities and uh, and interview them uh, because that's something that we weren't really able to do just with articles and things like that. So it's been a lot of fun. Now, with you being a podcast host, was that something that you've been wanting to do or add to your resume, or was it the fact that 
Basketball Insider was like, hey, we're going to do a podcast. We need somebody to, to host it. Hey, Alex, you want to do it? <laughs> Although I've always, I've always had interest in it. Uh, you know, I, I actually used to host a radio show here in Tampa. Uh, it was a lot of Bucks talk, a lot of NFL talk, because okay. obviously Tampa doesn't really care about basketball, which is unfortunate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I used to host a, uh, a radio show here on uh, ESPN 1040, which is now uh, NBC Sports 1040. So, uh, me and Steve Kyler, actually, who's my publisher at Basketball Insiders, we hosted uh, a three-hour show uh, on the radio there. So we've kind of taken those things, uh, our, you know, our approach to radio, and kind of transferred it to broadcast, transferred it to uh, the podcast. So you know, we try to treat it like a broadcast. We try to have three different segments. We try to have guests on. We try to answer questions people ask on Twitter. So that's kind of you know my only experience in that kind of field uh, doing radio, and uh, it's kind of helped me a little bit now in the podcast world but uh no it's been a lot of fun you know when they mentioned it i definitely want to be involved well honestly man i've heard a few episodes and just to say it out there right now you guys do a great job over there thank you so much thank you i appreciate that no problem coming from you you know uh, someone who's a podcast veteran <laughs> so yeah it's funny because i was gonna ask you so like who did you learn from me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, honestly, I will say that doing doing podcasts, doing your podcast, doing other podcasts, it definitely helped me because you know you have to kind of figure out the right approach because it is different than radio. You yeah, know, radio it, it's a bit it's less casual, I would say, uh, or podcasting is less casual than radio. Uh, you don't have callers, obviously, when you're mm. on a podcast. You're just kind of you know doing it and uh, talking with a guest, so it is different. So I would say uh, you know my experience coming on podcasts such as this one, definitely helped me. And I think it helped me kind of figure out the right tone and, uh, you know, right way to kind of go about things. So, yeah, I appreciate your uh, your wisdom and your uh, your uh, your help. It's been great. Well, well, first of all, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. And if there's anything else I can do for, for you and your career in the podcast world, man, you, you know where to find me. But um, we're chatting with Alex Kennedy of basketballinsiders.com the managing editor for the website he's on twitter at alex kennedy nba so the biggest thing i guess recently in in the nba we're still a month and a half away um the playoff seeding changes um no more division winners get the top four seed um in the east or western conference they go back to just top eight records in in each conference um it's about time right yeah, it is about time. Uh, that's kind of my, my stance on it, too. I felt like that should have been the case for a while now. Um, it really, uh, in recent years, kind of affected things where, you know, last year you had the Portland Trailblazers have a much worse record than a few different teams in the West. Um, and, and on the last day of the season, you had teams like Houston and San Antonio and all these different teams kind of jockeying for position, but Portland was just sitting there in that fourth spot. They didn't have to worry about anything uh, right. because they had the division. Uh, so I think that now, you know, it makes things more exciting. We're going to have, you know, all teams jockeying for position until the very last day of the season. And uh, now, just because you're in a weak division, you aren't rewarded with the playoff spot. Um, you know, that's a bit hypocritical of me to say because I love that the Bucks are in a weak division. Like, like I just said, I love that they have to, uh, you know, only win the NFC South. But um, I, I do think that it makes the most sense in the NBA with, uh, with eight teams making the playoffs from each conference. Um, it's a better product for the fans. You, you want to see the best teams in the playoffs. You want to see the best matchups. And I think that's what we get uh, with, this, uh, with this new change. 
Speaking of Portland, um, that team features, you know, one of the best rappers in, in the league, Damian Lillard. <laughs> um, you know what? His stuff is pretty good. Have, have you heard it before? It's excellent. Not one of the best. He is the best. I'll go out and say it right okay. now. Damian is an yeah. excellent rapper. Uh, I, I've been so impressed with his stuff. Uh, he's great lyrically. He has good flow. Um, he's actually releasing an album very soon before the season starts. Nice. I know that. So. I'm excited to uh, to hear the whole album. He's put out some stuff on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if, uh, if everyone kind of checked it out, but I, I, I tried to tweet out a few of them. But uh, I talked to Damien. He's putting out an album. And uh, it's funny. Whenever I, I first met Damien, he was actually in his final season at Weber State. And, uh, you know, he told me that he raps, but when NBA players tell you they rap, you're like, okay, so, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, what does that really mean? Are you Are you really good or are you just, you know, do you think you can rap? And then after, you know, he played me some of his stuff, I was like, okay, you know, this, this kid can actually rap. He's really good. Mm. Talented. Um, but he's been doing it since he's like 12 years old. So he's been rapping for a very long time with his friends and uh, his cousin and things like that. And uh, now, you know, he's at the point where he's putting his stuff out there and, uh, and uh, he'll, he'll have an album soon. So I think it's really cool of him to be able to do something like that, kind of use the... Uh, Use his, uh, you know, NBA fame to kind of launch that uh, side career as well. Now, you know, obviously he's focused on basketball primarily, but to be able to do that in his spare time and have some fun with it, I think it's pretty cool. But Damian Lillard, Alex, um, he's going to miss four starters from last year's team. Are the Portland Trailblazers the one team that is going to suffer the biggest setback this season? Yeah, there's no question about it. They're going to take a big step back. Um, they're not going to make the playoffs. I think when I look at the Western Conference, I think that seven of the eight teams from last year are kind of locked in, and then I think uh, Oklahoma City climbs in and takes the Blazers' spot. Uh, that's just how difficult it is to make the playoffs in the West. There's not going to be much movement. Um, but I would say that uh, I, I would say that Portland made the right decision. Um, you know, this summer after Lamarcus Aldridge decided to leave. Rather than signing a few different veterans and going for quick fixes, uh, I, I like the fact that they had a youth movement, that they brought in young guys like Al Farouk Aminu, Ed Davis, Mason Plumley, Noah Vonley, Mo Harkless, uh, Jerome Henderson, go down the list. You know, They brought in a ton of young guys, uh, and I think that was smart because some teams may have said, okay, we lost Aldridge, but let's go out and sign one or two veterans and still try to compete. Um, if they did that, you know, best-case scenario, they're – the eighth or ninth best team in the Western Conference. And at the end of the day, do you really want to be in that position? You know, sometimes being in the middle of the pack is, uh, isn't the best uh, option. So I think uh, it made more sense to go after young guys that they can develop around Lillard and, uh, and guys that complement his game so that even though they're going, going to take a step back this year and for a few years, now they can add some pieces through the draft. They can, uh, you know, have that entire core develop together. And then, you know, four or five years from now, we're talking about a team that uh, they're all in their prime together and they can be very good. So I, I do understand their summer, and, and I do agree with the approach they took. I think, the to me, the biggest offseason move was LaMarcus Aldridge going to San Antonio. Alex, the Spurs just can't seem to go away. No matter what it is that we say or do, you know, they keep getting older, but they keep getting these draft picks and, you know, signings and free agency, and they just make everybody look great. And to me, adding Aldridge along with David West to that roster, um, 
does does those moves make it harder for a Golden State to repeat or other teams like the Thunder, Clippers, Rockets to get ahead of the San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the Spurs are definitely scarier now. I think that uh, Greg Popovich is going to find a, ma- a way to make it all work there. Um, you know, I-, I love the fact that they added Aldridge. I think that now they have a, a very good team, even after guys like Tim Duncan and Mario Ginobili and-, and even Tony Parker walk away. Now you can build around Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Aldridge and uh, and attract other players as well. So I think it helps them now and in the long term. Um, it's tough because I like this Warriors team a lot. I actually just wrote an article about why they could repeat. Um, this is a team that was excellent last year. You know, people, I think, uh, you know, throughout their playoff run, a lot of people started to doubt them and say, oh, they're beating teams that aren't healthy and, you know, things like that. But this is a team that just was dominant last year. 67 wins. Uh, you know, they, they, were, they won 16 of their 21 playoff games. Uh, they, were, they, they, they won by a double-digit uh, margin. Uh, they, they just were great last year. And all the advanced numbers point to them being one of the best NBA teams of all time. And, you know, that says something. Uh, so I think that the Warriors are definitely going to be an interesting team to watch. They could repeat, but I think the Spurs are, are probably their toughest competition. Right now, I would say that between San Antonio and Golden State, those are kind of my two teams that I keep kind of going back and forth on. Uh, yes, Cleveland will be in the mix. Yes, teams like L.A. and Oklahoma City. Those teams are very talented, too. But as of right now, I'm kind of waffling between San Antonio and Golden State. So the the biggest threat to the Warriors repeating are the Spurs. And they, the likelihood of, the, of them repeating is, is pretty high, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's very possible. Uh, it all kind of depends on how everything comes together in year one for the Spurs. Because as we've seen with other teams, when you take a player like Lamarcus Aldridge, who has been a focal point and a star throughout his entire career, and put him in a new situation, it, it sometimes takes time. You know, there's time uh, for everyone to get acclimated. Um, I think in Cleveland we saw that last year, where you know, uh, you you introduced LeBron James and Kevin Love to a team that where Kyrie Irving was always the focal point, and guys have to sacrifice. Kevin Love had to pick up a completely different role, and at times he was upset. At times they had to figure out ways to use him differently. Well, you know, I, I think with LaMarcus, they're going to have to go through that same thing. He's used to getting a ton of shots and uh, having a, a system that revolves around him rather than having to, you know, kind of blend in and, uh, and fit with a, a system of players like the Spurs have. So there's going to be a, uh, a, a, a period of acclimation there in San Antonio. And then, you know, you mentioned David West, too. Throw him in the mix, too. And then all of a sudden you have to figure out how he fits in and uh, how, all these, how all these pieces work together. So... Um, I, I think that's that's kind of where Golden State has an edge. They're going to be uh, their chemistry is going to be better in year one. Um, they're going to be even better, I think, um, in their second year uh, together and under Steve Kerr. You know, Steve Kerr did a terrific job last year, but every single coach improves from year one to year two. So uh, there's a lot of things going toward the Warriors' favor. Um, it, it really just depends how quickly the Spurs can come together. And also, how does the, the, the factor of David Lee not coming back to Golden State affect them? Yeah, that, that's big, too. Um, but I think Jason Thompson's a great replacement. Um, I, I think that's one of the more underrated moves of the offseason. People mm-hmm. haven't really talked about it. You know, they traded Gerald Wallace uh, to the Sixers for Jason Thompson. And Thompson is a guy that has been kind of underrated throughout his whole career. Um, he played with Sacramento. A lot of uh, NBA fans don't even really know who he is or what he brings to the table, but he's a uh, very good player. I think he's someone that can knock down 
you know, a mid-range jumper. He's going to play in the post for them. Uh, he's going to provide that same kind of role that David Lee provided last year. Um, and, but I think that, you know, he doesn't have some of the liabilities that get David Lee off the court. So um, losing Lee, you know, it is tough, but I think they found a pretty good replacement in Thompson, so I'm not too worried about that. The L.A. Clippers, um, this team was up 3-1 in the conference semis against Houston. They lost that series. They added Paul Pierce, Lance Stevenson, Josh Smith um, in the summertime. It, it, it all sounds good on paper, Alex, but how does Doc Rivers take those new additions and make it work with the roster he already has? Well, I'll start with this. I think that everything that happened with DeAndre Jordan is uh, really important for that team. I think that um, there was a lot of tension there last year with the Clippers. You had, um, you know, DeAndre upset with Chris Paul at times. Um, you had some relationships that had, you know, kind of frayed a bit. And I think with the DeAndre thing, everything kind of got put out in the open and everyone um, kind of had to air their grievances. And that can be very good for a team. I think it allowed them to get over their loss in the playoffs. I think it allowed them to repair some of those relationships. Um, and then I think also their additions, they were made, you know, when they made these additions, they were focused on improving the chemistry of the team as well. You know, I was told that one of the biggest reasons they wanted to bring in Paul Pierce is so that, uh, you know, Chris Paul doesn't have to be the guy that's always barking at DeAndre Jordan, that, you know, Chris Paul can uh, bark at everyone else, and then Paul Pierce can be the guy that kind of manages DeAndre Jordan and helps him from a leadership role. So it's interesting. They, they definitely have, you know, uh, their mind on uh, the locker room and the chemistry of the team. I think that that was definitely uh, in mind whenever these moves were made. But uh, I, I just like the fact that they got much deeper and more versatile. You know, last year their bench was just so weak. They had to rely on, you know, either Jamal Crawford or Austin Rivers to get them a bucket. And then after that, you know, they didn't have anyone else. Um, this year now you throw in Josh Smith, Francis Stevenson, Wes Johnson, um, and just a, a ton of guys, Paul Pierce, if he doesn't start. So they're a much better team now. So I think they could, uh, they could make some noise in the West as well. We're chatting with Alex Kennedy, BasketballInsiders.com. Um, I got a few Twitter questions that uh, people hit me up with. The first one was, do you think Stanley Johnson, a player that we both like, will be a star in the league? Yeah, I think he could be. I, I like Stanley a lot. You know, uh, I watched him in summer league, and uh, he did a terrific job out there in Orlando. He, he was one of the best players there. Uh, I was very impressed with his play. Um, I think uh, it, may take a, it may take a bit of time. He's pretty raw. Um, but I think uh, it's going to start with him playing great defense. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to come in and kind of fill that role. But then I think eventually he could develop into a star. I think he's in great hands with Stan Van Gundy. Um, Van Gundy is going to, you know, maximize his full potential. I have no doubt about that. I think Stan is a great coach and, uh, you know, a, a great guy to uh, develop players. So, um, I think it's very possible. You know, he's, he's been one of the best players at every single uh, level he's, he's played at throughout his life. And it's possible that uh, he could develop into a star in the NBA, too. Uh, it's funny, actually. I just wrote an article about uh, how uh, the NBPA put together a training camp for about 30 players at Impact Basketball in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they had pickup games every single day. And Stanley Johnson's team won every single pickup game. Uh, so, I mean, he's already winning games there against, uh, you know, NBA veterans. You know, guys like Paul Pierce, Kyle Lowry, Rudy Gay. There were a lot of talented guys there. Um, Stanley Johnson, the, the team that had Stanley, Kyle Lowry, and Kyle O'Quinn just won every single game. So uh, that tells you something. He's going to be a winner.
The second Twitter question I got is uh, better. Who will have the better rookie year, Towns or Okafor? Well, I think that Okafor is going to have the better rookie year. I think that Towns could end up being the better player in the long run, but I think that Okafor is going to put up monster numbers as a rookie. I think he's more NBA-ready. When I look at Okafor, I see someone that has several post moves already. He has great footwork. He has great passing ability, a very high basketball IQ. And then in Philadelphia, he's going to get a ton of touches. He's going to be their focal point. So I think that uh, he's going to be in a position where he's going to be able to put up, you know, 18 points per game and just get a ton of touches. Um, you know, the last two years, there's been uh, a rookie on the Sixers who have gotten, you know, a ton of touches and nearly been rookie of the year. Michael Carter-Williams won it. Then last year, Nerland Noel was third. Now this year, Jalil is going to be in a position where he can really thrive, whereas in Minnesota, I think that there's more there's more players that are going to touch the ball. You have Andrew Wiggins, Zach Levine. They brought in some veterans now. So uh, I, I think that they're both going to be very good players. But I think in terms of who has the better rookie year, I'm leaning toward Ogafor, and, uh, and uh, he's my pick for rookie of the year uh, as of right now. And the final Twitter question I got is, uh, I think is well, two-part. One, in your opinion, teams that made the playoffs last year but you don't see them making it this year and teams that did not make it last year and you see them making it this year. All right, so let's start with the West. Uh, as I mentioned, Portland falls out mm-hmm. and uh, Oklahoma City climbs in. Um, I'm tempted to leave it at that, but part of me thinks that Dallas may fall out and Utah can climb in. Um, the Dante Exum injury obviously hurts them, but this team played terrific defense in the second half of last year. Rudy Gobert was terrific. Derek Favors was terrific. Gordon Hayward played excellent basketball. I think that Utah could be a team that climbs into the playoffs, but they're going to have some tough competition. So as of right now, I'll say that, you know, my only lock is Portland falling out and Oklahoma City climbing in, and then possibly Dallas falling out and Utah climbing in. And then the Eastern Conference is interesting. I think that two teams have to fall out, Boston and Brooklyn, and then two teams have to climb in, Indiana and Miami. Now, a lot of people are talking about, you know, can Orlando make the playoffs? Can Detroit make the playoffs? But when you really look at it, you know, Indiana, they're a team that has a lot of veterans, a lot of talent. Miami, you know, they're looking like a contender uh, if they're at full strength. So those two teams have to climb in, in my opinion. Uh, So those are the only real changes that I have. Okay. So now the question I got for you is um, I like some of the moves – the Lakers made. They, they got Roy Hibbert, Lou Williams. They get uh, Randall back from injury. They drafted uh, uh, D. Russell. Um, they get Kobe back. I don't know. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but D'Angelo Russell seems to think so. Um, what are your thoughts on the Lakers' moves this season? And do we do they have a chance of fighting for that eighth spot in the West? If they played in the Eastern Conference, I would say they have a shot at the AFC. But in the Western Conference, man, it's going to be really difficult. I can't see it happening. Um, Yeah, it's funny. I I interviewed D'Angelo a few days ago, and then he said, you know, they're most definitely going to make the playoffs. So he was Mm -hmm. very confident about that. But I just can't see it. I think that even with all the changes they've made, they're still far behind those teams that are playoff squads in the West. Um, You know, I think they're probably not even in the top ten, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I mentioned those teams that uh, I have making the playoffs. Then you have Utah. Then you have Phoenix. Then you have Dallas. You know, there are better teams right there, uh, and I'm not sure the Lakers can can get to that point. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant, obviously, he's going to put up great numbers, but you know, obviously, last year when he was playing, he wasn't very efficient. 
We don't know which Roy Hibbert we're going to see. D'Angelo Russell, yes, he's a rookie, but I think there could be some uh, some growing pains there. I think that, you know, he's going to help them because he's talented. But, you know, when you're relying on so many young players like D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, it's tough to expect the playoffs. So I think they're going to make progress. I think they'll win more games than last year mm-hmm. by, a, by a decent margin. But I don't think they're going to, like, you know, get close to being a playoff team. Hey, man, you know I'm a – I'm a Nick fan, so um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find <laughs> that question. Say, I have about the same prediction there. You know, they added some veterans; they're going to uh-huh. be better. But I can't see them making the playoffs. It's kind of tough. Yeah, I mean, I hey, listen, man. I sometimes you have to think realistically of what your team or teams are are able to do or aren't able to do, and you know, they they tried this summer. Um, like they didn't even get a meeting with Aldridge, so that just kind of you know, shows you everything. But, yeah, I mean, they get Robin Lopez and Aaron Aflalo. I guess they're a, a more improved team. Melo was still there. He'll come back healthy. Um, there's even rumblings about Knicks maybe small trying to uh, explore trading him. I don't know. I think I think he'll remain a Nick. But, um, like you said, you don't see them in the playoffs, but how much better are they going to get this year? Well, I think there, there's going to be a much better product on the floor because last year they were playing so many guys that, you know, weren't, weren't on the same caliber as, as Carmelo Anthony and Aaron Aflalo and Robin Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see this being a good team. I, I think that Jerry and Grant is a, uh, a good young point guard. I like Chris Porzingis a lot. You know, I, I don't think he's going to make a big impact in year one or two, but I think that he's a guy that has a huge ceiling and he could be very good down the road. So, even though that pick's not going to help them this year, I think that down the road he could be, you know, an excellent pickup for them. And then, like you mentioned, the veterans, uh, Carmelo obviously coming back is huge for them. Robin Lopez is, is a, uh, a defensive center they have not had in Tyson Chandler, and he's going to be a big impact for them. Aaron Aflalo, it's interesting because I covered Aaron Orlando, and he had his best year of his career when he was uh, in his final year with the Magic, and he was terrific. He you know, led all the young players. He put up a ton of points. He was efficient. And then ever since then, he struggled. You know, he struggled in Denver. He struggled in Portland. So I'm not sure which follow we're going to see. But I just have a hard time thinking they're going to be in the playoffs. Because, like I said, you know, Indiana, Miami, they have to climb in. They're going to, the East is actually going to be pretty good this year. They have to uh, compete with some very good teams in order to make the playoffs. So I think they probably find their way out. I think that they're probably sitting outside the playoff picture. But I do think that they're going to improve. You know, they're not going to have an awful season like last year. I could see them being, you know, just a few spots down in the playoffs rather than being at the very bottom of the standings. But, you know, you and I can uh, can both, uh, you know, get through the season together. Your Knicks, my Bucks. It'll be a rough year for both of us, but we'll make it through. And then hopefully three years, four years, ten years, twenty years down the road, we can finally have something to be happy about. Mm-hmm. Well, the one Bucks team I like <laughs> is in Milwaukee, so <laughs> I like I like the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Um, they made the playoffs last year, I think six seed. Um, no Jabari Parker in their lineup due to injury last year. With him back, and you add Greg Monroe, a guy that that the Knicks wanted and whiffed on. Um, how do you see the Milwaukee Bucks team this year with Parker back and adding Greg Monroe to that lineup? I love this team. I'm very excited. Um, you know, I, I'm. There's no question the Milwaukee Bucks are better than the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think that Milwaukee's <laughs> going to be terrific. Um, they were a team that really competed with Chicago in the playoffs this past year, and that was missing Jabari Parker, their best player. Um, I think that with Jabari Young, Chris Middleton took his game to another level. 
I think that adding Greg Monroe is going to be perfect there. He's going to be an excellent fit because, really, last year they were the number two defense in the NBA because they had a ton of guys that were long and athletic and uh, just, you know, really caused uh, problems for other teams. Now their biggest issue was on offense. Uh, and now they add in Jabari Parker, who was their best offensive player before injury last year. They add in Greg Monroe, who's going to be able to add, you know, some offensive games to their team. Um, I think they can be very good this year. Now, I don't think they're going to be one of the top seeds in the East. Uh, I think they're probably going to be, you know, five, six, but that's not bad. You know, they could be a team that surprises someone in the playoffs and plays very well. And then I think the biggest thing is, you know, two years from now, this is a team that could be very good. You know, they're one of those teams that have one of the best young up-and-coming cores in the NBA. And even if they don't go deep this year, which I don't think a lot of people are expecting, you know, they're a team that, you know, should peak a few years from now. And uh, when they do that, you're talking about a team that is probably a contender. What should we expect from Kobe Bryant, his uh, 20th season in the NBA? I mean, it just felt like yesterday he was just drafted in, you know, 1996 and all that. So, I mean, what should we as fans, what should Laker fans expect from Kobe this year? Well, I think it's going to be a fun year. I think that he's going to put up big numbers, as he always does. Um, I think uh, probably something similar to last year where, you know, his shooting percentages aren't great and he's not very efficient. But there's going to be a lot of plays where, you know, fans get excited because he does some highlight reel type stuff. Mm. He's going to put up a lot of points. He's going to, you know, really, uh, really score the ball a lot. My thing is, from what I want to see from Kobe is him kind of help those young guys. Um, I want to see him help uh, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, and help them take their game to the next level, you know, be that mentor, um, and help them grow. And it seems like he's, uh, in the past, he's kind of said that he wants to do those things. You know, he talked about handing the franchise off to Julius Randle. He said all those things. I want to see him be a mentor for those guys and really help those guys grow because I think that's where the Lakers have to go next. Uh, Kobe Bryant, obviously, his career is almost over. Uh, Roy Hibbert's on a one-year deal. Uh, a lot of the players that they have that are going to be there long-term are the young guys. And really, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw them go, you know, and have a youth movement in the next few years where they're building around D'Angelo, Jordan, Julius, and then whatever draft picks they're going to get in the next few years. So that's where I think, the you know, Kobe's obviously going to put up numbers and be exciting and fans are going to love it. But I want to see him help those young guys, too, so that the Lakers can succeed, you know, with life after Kobe Bryant. Where do you see Kobe after the NBA? Do you you see him like on a TNT, NBA TV, ESPN, or just kind of involved with basketball but not like showing on TV all the time? What do you think think he'll do? Well, I've asked him about this, and it's interesting because he says he can never see himself coaching or being an executive, Mm -hmm. um, which is what a lot of players say. You know, they want to be – they don't want to – or a lot of players want to go that route because then they can stay around the game. But Kobe doesn't want to do that. Um, Honestly, I think he's going to have a a tough time at first because he's someone that's so competitive. And, you know, he straight up said that he can't imagine not playing basketball and not being on a team. That's why his injury was so difficult. So I think he's someone that may have a really tough time in retirement early on. Um, obviously, I think he's going to adjust, as everyone does. But I think those first few years are going to be kind of uh, difficult for him because, you know, he wants to be out there playing, and, uh, and I'm not sure he will. You know, it's interesting. He's talked about possibly going overseas and playing a year or two over there, which would be interesting. Uh, Tracy McGrady did that. And uh, not only is it, you know, a way for a player – 
you know, to kind of get that out of their system and, and scratch that basketball itch, it also helps their global brand significantly. You know, Tracy McGrady was already huge in China playing with Yao Ming and then going over there and playing for a year and then, you know, going over there a few times since and playing in, you know, some, you know, organized games and different events and tournaments. It's helped him so much. It's helped his brand. I could see Kobe doing something like that. And then once all of that is over, once he's done playing basketball entirely, I do think we'll see him be a broadcaster. I think that he'd be excellent at that job. He has to cut back on the cussing a bit. <laughs> that's, right. that's a big problem for him. Uh, but I do think that he'll be excellent in that job because he's an excellent basketball mind. He's very smart. And he's someone that, you know, says what's on his mind. He's not going to mince words. And I think that's why, you know, Charles Barkley has been so successful. I think that's uh, what makes, you know, some of these great uh, player broadcasters so successful because they're not afraid to speak their mind and everyone takes them seriously and respects them because they know that they've been there and they've had a great career. So I could see Kobe doing that when all is said and done. Well, you know, if, if Kobe Bryant wants a podcast gig, he can go over to basketballinsider.com. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm not going to say but, you know, if he wants to do a pro bono, let's, let's make it happen. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't believe, you know, I – you know, I've gone 37 minutes without mentioning LeBron James. And, you know, every podcast and TV show in the world mentions LeBron five times uh, in the first five minutes. But I'll wrap up with you with this. Um, who in the Eastern Conference can challenge the Cavaliers in their, I think, in their second route to the NBA Finals? Um, That's a good question. Uh, not, not many teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that... Chicago, you know, obviously they haven't been able to beat LeBron in the past, but I think that Chicago, you know, them bringing back the same core and having chemistry, they're my second best team in the East as of right now. Uh, I'm still not, you know, positive they can challenge the Cavaliers if the Cavs are at full strength, but if there is any team, I think maybe it is the Cavs. Dean uh, Butler has done a great job on LeBron James. You know, if Derrick Rose is healthy, that's an interesting matchup against Kyrie Irving. Um, I like their front court, which is important against the Cavs. So maybe, uh, maybe Chicago, and it's, it's really going to depend on how much better they are under Fred Hoiberg. Under Fred Hoiberg, um, if they take a step back, then obviously they're not going to be able to do that. But if they take a step forward, maybe Chicago. And then the only other team that really comes to mind is Washington. And that may seem crazy, but we have not seen Washington play their full potential in the playoffs because of injuries. Now. I think that this Washington team is very good. You know, they started this last postseason playing excellent basketball. They were dominant, and then uh, John Wall went down, and that really slowed things down, and that really hurt them. If they're at full strength for an entire playoff, I could see them going to the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe not, you know, beating the Cavaliers because I think that's going to be extremely difficult for anyone. But, Mm. you know, can they take a game or two? Possibly. So those are kind of the two teams that I have in mind. Uh, But I do think that Cleveland – is going to be in the finals once again. Yeah, but against who, Alex? Yeah, uh, at this point, I'll say the I'll say the Warriors. Uh, I think that okay. the Spurs, because they do have to, uh, you know, get so many guys acclimated. Give me the Warriors. Um, I, I think that it's very possible it's the Spurs. It wouldn't surprise me if it's the Spurs, but I'll go with the Warriors for right now. And obviously, the Cavaliers will get the dub this time, right? No, I have the Warriors winning. Oh. I think that if the Warriors go back, they're going to win it. Um, wow. If it's okay. Cleveland versus San Antonio, I would go Cleveland, honestly. But uh, I think Golden State, I think they can beat uh, a healthy Cavaliers team. 
Wow. So even with Kevin Love and Kyrie at full strength, you still have the Warriors? Yeah, I think the Warriors could win. It would not surprise me. I think they're going to be a better team this year. Like I said, you know, a lot of people are acting like the Warriors, you know, aren't this great team, but the numbers show they're a, they're a dominant team. They, they can beat you on both ends of the court. Mm. You know, they were number one in uh, defense, number two in offense last year. Yeah. Uh, I think we can expect growth from uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Festa Cazelli, Harrison Barnes. All of those guys are under 25 years old. So they're guys that should keep improving. And then, like I said, in year two, with Steve Kerr, they should all be better. You know, they're going to be more comfortable with his system. They're going to know what he expects from them. He's going to be a better coach. Uh, I, I don't think that Golden State has peaked. I think that's very possible that this team needs to get better. And it wouldn't surprise me if they were even better this season. Hey, listen, man, I don't, I don't disagree with who you have. I only disagree with who you have winning because I just, I, man. Maybe just me being a LeBron, a, a big time LeBron fan of wanting him to win a third title. I, I also want Kevin Durant to win one. So, I mean, it could be OKC and the Cavaliers. As a fan, I'll love it. But I, I don't know, man. I still think LeBron is still feeling that loss uh, against Golden State. Maybe he feels like if he was at full strength with the roster he, that he had, um, it would have been a more competitive series. But, I mean,. I'm not complaining if it's going to stay in Cleveland. I just think LeBron will come back more, like, you know, revengeful and and try to get that third ring. He was dominant in the finals. I have to give him credit for that. He was a monster. So what we we witnessed in the finals was amazing. So let me me, me clarify and say this. Uh Even though I have the Warriors winning, I don't want to make it sound like the Warriors are going to just walk by the Cavaliers and win Mm -hmm. in a few games like they did. This past year, I think that, you know, if it's Cleveland at full strength versus the Warriors at full strength, we're talking about a seven-game series. We're talking about a terrific finals matchup. So I think that it would be a, a extremely hard series, but I think Golden State could get it done. Hey, Alex, man, always great talking NBA with you. Good luck to your Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the uh, NFL, um, NFL season. And, um, again, the basketballinsiders.com. Check him out. He's on Twitter at Alex Kennedy. NBA, always great, man. Thank you, and I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. All right, you too.